We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, good morning once more. Um, for those that are joining us in person or online that may not know me, my name's Nick. I'm the pastor here um, and it's a privilege to, to speak from God's word this morning. Uh, so we're actually jumping into the, the, the fourth part of our Transform series, which is our vision series. Uh, so we're talking about what we believe God's vision for us this year. And so um, do we have the butterfly, Neil? Can we pop that up? If not, you can look at the back wall. It's up on the back wall now. But um, so, so we believe the word that God's leading us into for this year is, is that word transformed. Uh, and, and so the picture of that is a butterfly because we know a, a, a butterfly starts its life as a caterpillar and then has this process of transformation uh, to become the butterfly. And um, what I want to pick up from that this morning is, if, if you were here uh, for the first message in this series where we're talking about transformed, uh, we, we talked about how the butterfly doesn't just kind of shrink down and grow some wings, it actually completely dissolves inside the chrysalis, what we often call the cocoon. Uh, and, and so there's this messy goo inside the chrysalis before it becomes the butterfly. And so in that context then, we spoke a little bit about, you know, we believe this is a year where God's calling us to be transformed as, as individuals, as a church, and to be agents of transformation in the community. But that's not always this simple A to B. It's, it's, there's some, some goo, some mess, some, some, some caterpillar soup is the words we were using in the middle, where everything looks a little bit messy, and if we judge it at that point, it doesn't, like God's, doesn't look like God's doing much worthwhile. And so the reason I reshare that this morning is I just get a sense this morning and I prayed it this morning as we had our prayer time before we started our worship gathering. I just get a sense this morning whether you're here in this room or whether you're in your lounge room or your bedroom, wherever you're uh, participating from this morning, that, that there's a sense of call for this to be the chrysalis this morning. That, that yes, we're talking about the whole year and not that I think that's to be a completed project at the end of this morning. This sermon's not that good, um, but but that this morning God wants us to come before him as if we're entering a chrysalis, that we wanna, he wants us to allow him to, in a sense, melt us down and reshape us this morning in this time as we come to his word. Um, and so I'm going to pray in that light this morning as we, as we touch on God's word to shape us. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We come to your living word this morning, and I pray that it would be that. Let us not come to your scripture as we would a textbook, an ancient artifact, a history document. Let us come to your word this morning with the expectation that it's living, that it's powerful and has the capacity to transform us. And so I pray that this room this morning, or whatever room we find ourselves in this morning, or perhaps later on if we're engaging in this later, that that this space we're in, in this moment, will be a chrysalis. We open ourselves to you to be transformed this morning. Melt us down in that sense and reshape us so that we might bring your name greater glory, so that we might represent in a better way that light of Jesus that shines in us so that we might become a more beautiful representation of your church in this world.
And so we release this morning before you everything that we're clinging to, that we don't want to let go of, that we just need to let go of, so that you might reshape us. And we open our hands to everything that you want us to receive this morning, that we can carry forth from this moment. Come and have your way in us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so the biblical idea for, to be transformed, the call, the commission, uh, the command to be transformed comes from that passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Hopefully uh, I can say that and we're all starting to, not that um, our righteousness is proved by how well we can recite scripture from memory, but hopefully that's starting to get embedded in our head this morning. But for those like myself that need a little reminder, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... So this is a response to God's mercy and grace. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so, so we offer ourselves completely to God because he offered Jesus completely to us. But we do it in life. He did it through death. And it goes on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. This isn't a superficial cosmetic shift. This is a deep transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. And so the scriptures call for a radical, deep, complete transformation of those who follow Jesus. It's, it's spoken about in, elsewhere in scripture as the old being gone and the new having arrived. It's this complete fundamental transformation. And so we've been talking over the last few weeks about different areas or different levels of, of the, the biblical call on our church, uh, always and forever, but I believe especially this year, to be transformed. I feel like, yes, that's always the call, but I believe God's calling us for this year to be, be a, a pivotal year in transformation. And so those, those levels are, we began with the individual. We're called as individuals to be transformed. And, and what we spoke about there was that, that I believe God's calling for us this year to, to be a spiritually awakened people or a, a revived people. That, it, that if we want to see revival, which is a word like some people go, oh, revival, but, but it just merely means lots of people coming alive in faith to Jesus. If we want to see that in the community, and I want to tell you this morning that we should want to see that in our community, if we want to see that in our community, it's got to begin with us. And so the, the key verse for that, to recap, was Romans thirteen eleven, and And the Apostle Paul saying, and do this, that's doing everything that is spoken about before, that's, that's a, coming at the end of this section about being transformed. He says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation, in that sense, not talking about people coming to Jesus and being saved, but talking about Jesus' return. Our salvation, the return of Jesus, is nearer now than when we first believed. And so it's time for us to wake up. In fact, a couple thousand years ago, Paul said to the church, it's already past time for you to wake up. And if the hour of Jesus' return was nearer in that moment, then it's even nearer, nearer, nearer now. And so we need a, an individual transformation for each of us where, where we pray for revival for ourselves. 
We need to be transformed as individuals, but we also need to be transformed as a church, that, that the culture of the church needs to be transformed. And This is what we spoke about last week. And the areas we were talking about where we're building a culture of honour more so than it is now. Building a culture of servant hearts more so than it is now. And so Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love and honour one another above yourselves. And so a culture of honour is that kind of culture that, that puts the needs, the values, the preferences of others above ourselves. That we don't seek to consume what I want, but we seek to give honour to others. In Mark 10.41, Jesus himself said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as followers of Jesus, we're we're those who are called to honour others above ourselves, but we're also those who are called to serve others before ourselves. And so... I believe God's calling for our church to be transformed from what it is now to a a deeper level of honouring one another and serving one another. As we began to talk about the caterpillar and the butterfly, we're not saying the caterpillar's bad. It's It's a necessary part of the development of the butterfly. And so if you're kind of feeling like, oh, he's kind of really ripping on what the church has been, that's not my heart and that's not the case this is a great church we have grown and grown but it's a a season now i think for us to transform in for future growth and so we need to be transformed as individuals. We, the call is for the, the culture of the church to be transformed. And, and the third space that I believe that this is uh, God's vision for us this year, this call for us this year, is to see the community transformed. And, and so the thing is, and we spoke about this last week, we've got no hope of being a church that sees the community transformed in the name of Jesus in any significant way unless we are transformed as individuals, unless the culture of the church is transformed, our efforts to see the community transformed will be nothing but anemic. It needs to begin with me and with you. And it needs to begin with us together seeking to be transformed by God so that overflows to seeing the community transformed. And as I said, we should want to see the community transformed. In Revelations 21, uh, verses 1 to 5, it talks about the new kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth coming into place. And in verse 5 of that, it says, He who sits on the throne, that is Jesus, says, Behold, I make all things new. And so this is the end point of the arc of history, is that Jesus will return and make everything new. And in that vision of that future, we're told there'll be no more weeping, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain, uh, there'll be no more separation from God. We will live in the manifest presence of God. That's the trajectory of God's goodness to us. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And so if you are in Christ, you are already living in the reality of the new kingdom that Jesus is going to bring at the end of times. 
Bible scholars often talk about the now, but not yet. As in Jesus has not yet returned, but the kingdom of heaven, the new earth, the new heaven, the newness, the no crying, the no weeping, the no suffering of pain, that kingdom lives in you. Now, if you're in Christ. And so our role on earth in this moment is to be ambassadors of that new kingdom, of that new heaven, of that new earth, to be people who carry within them what it means to be fully restored and renewed. Of course, I'm a work in progress and you're a work in progress. None of us fully represent what it means to be that eternal glorious kingdom, but but that is who we are in God's eyes now. And so now we should be seeking to be those people who are in the process of leading the community around us to be one which is making everything new. And so the church is not meant to be just sitting around waiting for heaven. We don't gather here on a Sunday morning for some light and entertainment while we're, while we're waiting for heaven. If that was the case, let's at least get a ping pong table or something in here. If this is just entertainment, if this is just to fill the time till we're waiting for heaven, then let's make it a bit different. <laughs> let's at least play ping pong. Maybe foosball. Whatever's cool now. At Bible college, we played ping pong. It was the peak, the peak of my ping pong career was Bible college. Now, the church is to be ambassadors of the new heaven, the new earth, the the, the new kingdom that Jesus will usher in fully when he returns. Our aim as followers of Jesus is to see the community that we live in transformed. We should want, some people love the word revival, some people like, oh, it gives them, you know, triggers them about something American, I don't know, for those that are televangelists, American televangelists. When I say revival, I mean just simply a desire to see many in our community that are now lost and without a saviour coming to faith in Jesus and being saved. That's, that's what I mean by revival. And we should all want that. We should all be filled with the desire for that because we are those who have tasted of that new kingdom. We are those that are filled with that hope. And how could we not want it for others? So we gather here on a Sunday morning to worship God, but but we also gather to come before his word and to be transformed, to be shaped by his spirit, to be gathering with one another as iron sharpens iron. The scriptures say that we might be honed to be greater agents of God's kingdom in this world, to see it transformed. And there's lots of ways that we do that, but this morning I want to touch on two key ways that we act as agents of ambassadors of God's kingdom. And the first is that we are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and the second is that we are called to act in ways that uh, lead to the peace and prosperity of the city in which we live. We are called to share the good news. This is the commission that that Jesus left us with in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. This is his final moment here on earth before his ascension to heaven. His last words to his disciples were told that then the 11 disciples, so it was 12 minus Judas, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in, in heaven and, and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so our purpose, our mission, our call as followers of Jesus, as disciples, is to make disciples. This is the command given by him who has all authority in heaven and earth. There is no other command, there is no other instruction, there is no other Lord that can trump this command. It's like when you're playing 500. Who's played 500? Put up your hand or you know, do something in the chat if you're there. In 500, there's like the, the, the bowers, like the two most powerful cars, the jacks, the left and the right bower, but then there's always the joker. And so you can think, you've, oh, I've got the best car, but then someone trumps you or puts the joker out. Someone puts out a better card and it makes your card worthless. But that doesn't happen with this command. This is the trump card. This is the overriding thing above all overriding things, this command of Jesus to go and make disciples. We have no higher purpose. In this life, no higher instruction, no greater mission than simply to go and make disciples. If we jump back to that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, where I just read verse 17 from, and read a bit more from 16 to 20, the Apostle Paul is speaking of himself, but I think it speaks of our call to be Jesus' ambassadors. It says, so from now on, in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so the Apostle Paul saying, we've been given that message. If you think, well, I haven't been given that message. I just did it just then. I read it out. We've been reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be reconciled to God. That is the message. And so if you've received that message, then you are an ambassador of that message to others. As if God was making his appeal through us as if God was making his appeal to the community of the Yass Valley through you and I, be reconciled to God. God's appeal to the community around us is through us, that they would be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's our mission, that's our call, that's the primary way in which we will see the community transformed. And so what's our plan as a church? What's, if this is about vision, then what's the plan? And, and so I want to say, we, well, we do things like Alpha. Uh, we, we run most years the Alpha course, which is a great way to, to share the breadth of the Scriptures and the Gospel with someone. 
And so if you know someone that might be interested in that, when we run that, I encourage you to say, hey, come along with me to Alpha. Uh, we run as a collective of churches in, in Yas SRE, in the primary school and the high school. In the primary school, you can become a part of that. Helena's disappeared at the key moment, but when Helena returns, there she is. You can see Helena and say, hey, I want to be part of primary SRE. I, I want to be an ambassador of the gospel to primary schools. You can come next Sunday afternoon when there's an information session about that. Jessica Fields, who's part of our church family, um, but supported by all the churches through Generate to teach Scripture, SRE, the Bible, in Yass High School to Year 7 and 8 and 9 for those who opt in. You can financially contribute to that. Well, let's not forget our church gatherings. Part of gathering together is, yes, to be equipped and energised in the Gospel, but it's also to proclaim the good news. But I want to say the primary way that we are ambassadors of the gospel is in our personal presence amongst the community. That we are called not just as a collective, as a church, to, to be sharing the gospel. And I want to do so much more than what we're already doing. But, but as individual followers of Jesus, we're called to be ambassadors of that message. And so what we usually do as a church, or as churches, as pastors, we're, we're guilty of often saying, you need to tell people about Jesus. And we don't teach you how, and we leave you feeling perhaps guilty that you should, but you can't. And so what we're actually going to do is, is we're going to develop, we are, have developed, and we're, we're going to begin to share that with the church over the next four weeks, a, a, a strategy for our church to equip us all in personal mission and evangelism. We, we, we were going to do it last year, and then the plague came. But we're simply calling this each one reach one. We want to not just tell you that you should. We want to, together as a church, go on a journey of how we can. And, and so that's going to be our plan for the next four weeks as we lead up towards Easter is is, well, how can we be a church not just that runs Alpha and some, some evangelistic programs, but be a church of evangelists? Where we're all in our own gifting and capacities in different ways reaching one person for salvation. Of course, if you would like to reach 10 people, that's, that's even better, but we want to keep it focused. And so I'm going to talk a lot more about sharing the gospel over the next few weeks. Um, Carl's going to help me out with that, aren't you, Carl? Yep, thumbs up. And so I want to move on to that second thing. So the, the, the first and primary thing that we do is we share the good news about Jesus, but the second thing is, well, we act in ways that seek the peace and prosperity of the city. You might think peace and prosperity are funny words, but I use them with intention because those are the words that we find in Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. Jeremiah is prophesying into the context of God's people living in the city that completely obliterated their nation. They're living as exiles in Babylon. Uh, they're living as outsiders. And so this is, this is God's word through Jeremiah to the people of Israel living in exile. It says in verse 4 of chapter 29, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. 
Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so God's people are in exile in the nation that has conquered them, that has destroyed them. And so it is a miracle that God's people, the people of Israel, the Jewish ethnicity was not deleted from history at that moment. That's a miracle to start off with. But God is saying to his people, don't just kind of sit and wait it out. He'd promised them that there would be a return to Jerusalem, that that there would be this restoration that he'd call his people home. But he said, don't just sit and wait it out. Buy land, build houses. He's saying, engage with the world around you. Don't disengage. Don't kind of go off into holy enclaves to preserve who you are in a way that means that you're holding the outside world at bay, in that sense. He's saying engage with the world around you, and then he says seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Seek the peace and prosperity of those who are opposed to who you are. See, so often I think today the church, is we set ourselves up too much as what we're against. We're against this type of marriage, we're against that type of living, we're against those type of people. And we, and we want everyone to know what we're against. But here God is saying to his people, you should be for the city. That's the city of Babylon. He's saying to us, we should be for the community of the Yas Valley. Full stop. No buts. We should be for the Yas Valley. We should act in ways that seek its peace, and seek its prosperity. The, the Hebrew word there is shalom. Some of us might have heard of it before. And it, and it means peace. But it means peace in a sense of wholeness. Of well-being. Of everything being in its right place. It's, it's actually the Old Testament word. That, that points us most directly to that, that Revelation 29.5 idea of Jesus making all things new. And so God says to his people in exile. And many biblical scholars talk about the season of the world that we're in as the church, been like Israel in exile. We're God's people in a foreign land, a land that's foreign to the message of Jesus. And so we're to seek the shalom of this community. We're to seek to make this community a better place in whatever ways we can. It's the same message that Caleb read for us this morning. I must say I'm proud of my, all of my sons. I'm proud of Caleb this morning, proud of Josiah the last two weeks um, operating the, the live stream desk for everyone at home. Uh, proud of Sammy for just being the mighty man of God that he is and is becoming. But that message that, that Caleb read for us from Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. And I must say, Alex did a fantastic job of communicating this to us this morning. I felt like, oh, job done. Well, um, we can all go home early. 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so Jesus is saying, let your light shine. Let your light shine so that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Uh, There's an American pastor, Andy Stanley, and I was listening to something some time back, and this, this phrase stood out to me. It's not enough to do good deeds. People must see them. And so it kind of rattled against this idea I have of like, you know, Jesus talks about about giving. Don't let your left hand see what your right hand's doing, this kind of secret goodness thing. And there is a place for that. The place for that is when we are tempted to glorify ourselves through our giving or through our good deeds. If that's the temptation for us, then, then we should try and do it in secret so that we can't possibly receive any glory from it. But if our aim is to let the light of Jesus shine, if our aim is to be ambassadors of the new kingdom that is to come, if our aim is to glorify God and our heart's in the right place for that, then it's not enough just to do good things that are unseen. Jesus is saying that we should let that light shine, that people should do our good, good that people should see the good things that we do so that they may be given cause to praise our Father in heaven and ultimately think, huh, what is it that motivates those people? Why would, why would they do that? What is it about that group of people that is so shiny, to borrow from Alex's interpretation? Why does Annabelle shine so brightly? I actually had a teacher from Yass Public School some time ago. Maybe shouldn't have named the name. I'm not naming the name of the teacher. A teacher from a hypothetical school in town said to me, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they did actually say this is an encouragement to the parents here because sometimes we feel like our kids are like, ah! I said, you know, a lot of the good kids in school, I've realised that a lot of them go to your church. That's a, what, what, what's different about those kids kind of question. Now, I know my kids can be absolute rotters. They get on steps. It's not that we should expect our children to be perfect. But it doesn't begin when we're an adult, I'm trying to say. What is it about us, we want people asking What is it about you that causes you to behave in a way for the peace and prosperity of our city? It's not for our glory, but for God's. And so what's our plan? What are we we actually doing in that? Well, collectively as a church... We, we, we do a thing called Kids Hope, which is mentoring in our local public school. It's not, about, it's not scripture. It's not about sharing the gospel with those kids. It's about simply one adult spending time with one child in an appropriate space where others can see it uh, and, and just being there for that child. It takes an hour a week plus you know, 10 minutes either side to arrive and fill out a form and stuff like that each time. It takes a bit of training to do it. And you can be a part of letting the light shine at Yass Public School. If Deb does this, you just need to talk to Deb today and we'll sign you up. We'll go through the process. The school's got a list of children lined up that they're begging for mentors for. 
That's, that's what something like Kids Hope is about. It's about seeking the peace and prosperity of our city one child at a time. We haven't been able to run them for some time because of COVID. The plague came. Hopefully in the future we'll be able to do it again. But when we run things like movies here or playgroup here, it's not, it's not just for light entertainment or to occupy the kids for a while. It's about seeking to make the town we live in a better place, about seeking to build safe community about letting our light shine. It, again, though, is not just about what we do collectively as a church. It's about your personal presence in the community. It's about how you show up at work. It's about how you run your business. It's about how you relate to your neighbours. About, it's about how you love your neighbour as yourself. It's about us as individuals seeking the peace and the prosperity of our community. As kind of a catalyst for this, though, as kind of an energising thing for our church, it's on my heart this year. We haven't set a date yet, but sometime in spring I want to do it where we just call it Love Week, which makes it sound big, but we'll start with a weekend where essentially we just do working bees, but not here, out there. You know, we've done it before with Soul Survivor. We've done it when the Cape and Ray team came and visited us, where we, where we go to local schools, where we go to local community organisations and say, what can we do? What can we paint? Where can we mow? How can we show the love of God to you, essentially, we're saying. And so what I want to do as a church is just say, hey, the way we're going to worship this week is we're going to all sign up for a few hours across the weekend and we're just going to bless our community. We're going to get our hands dirty, Get the elbow grease out. We're going to paint. We're going to mow. We're just going to seek to bless all in the name of Jesus. Not for our glory, but in the hope that that some will say, what's about that light? What's about those people? And lean in and ultimately praise our Father in heaven. And so our vision as a church this year is to see ourselves transformed, to see our church culture transformed and ultimately with the hope of seeing our community transformed. Of course, like our word for last year, abide, this is not something that's bound within one year. That's, that's why we've left abide on the wall because Jesus' words stand eternally, abide in me and you'll be fruitful. And so we leave that there as a reminder that when we come into this space, not just in this space, but when we come in, that this is about abiding in Jesus. And so, not that the vision to see the community is transformed, uh, see the community transforms is bound by this year, but, but my heart's cry for our church is that this is the year that we get really serious about that. It can be fun. I think Love Week is going to be the funnest weekend our church has had in a long time. What I mean by serious, I mean is to be really focused and intentional about it. And so Galatians, last scripture for this morning before we wrap up. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And so, of course, 
we focus on loving one another as we love those outside the church. But the promise there is if we do not give up, if we don't allow ourselves to become weary in doing good, the way we allow ourselves not to become weary is we take appropriate rests, but we don't stop and give up. If we allow ourselves to not give up, the promise is there will be a harvest. Ali, if you could lead your team up behind me. I'm closing up. And so God is seated in my heart and I want to see it in ourselves, in the whole church this morning. A vision for the whole of the Yass Valley. I think God's calling us to expand our perspective beyond Yass. And I know there's many here that uh, don't call Yass itself home already, which is fantastic. But I believe God as a church is calling us to expand our vision for the Yass Valley. To say we will be the ambassadors of Christ to the Yass Valley. Um, I checked it up again this morning. The Yass Valley, it's a 2019 estimate, has 17,087 people. And that's growing at uh, 0.89% per year apparently, which is above the average growth rate of regional areas. And so um, I'm not a super numbers person usually, but, I, but God's put on my heart just these, the idea of 10% in 10 years. That 10% of that valley would become disciples of Jesus through this church in 10 years. My prayer would be the same would happen through each and every other church in the Yass Valley and we'd be punching up around most of the Yass Valley. 10% might seem like a small number, but that would be 1,700 people at our current population over 10 years. And so what does that look like? I don't know. I don't think it looks like this church somehow fitting 2,000 people in this room. I think it more looks like us going out and planting and building and, and you know, reaching out to those other parts of the Yass Valley. And I don't know, you and I might not be here in 10 years' time. But I feel the call of God is that we need to start today. Because you and I are here today. And so let's start today. Heavenly Father, you gave your first 11 remaining disciples a vision on that hill to make disciples of all the nations. You gave them a vision that was beyond their geography, beyond the length of their years, beyond the scope of reasonable expectations in every single way. Yet you also empowered them by your Spirit. And so, Father, I thank you for a vision that is beyond us. I'm sure not many of us have thought ahead to 10 years in many aspects of our life, but, but we thank you for giving us a vision beyond this moment, beyond this year, beyond perhaps our own personal involvement in this particular local church for some of us. But Father, let that not hinder us from stepping into that vision. 
I pray that you pour out your spirit in this room, in our homes, in our bedrooms, in in every space that we're participating with this message this morning and in time to come. I pray that you would pour out your spirit. I pray that you would stir up dreams in our heart and mind of people coming to know Jesus of our friends of our family, of our neighbours of our work colleagues I pray that you would give us a vision of, of what it would look like for revival to take place and by that I don't mean crowds I mean give us a vision of faces of names of people that we know that are yet apart from salvation Give us a vision of them coming to faith in you. But most of all, I pray that you empower us by your Holy Spirit to be ambassadors of the gospel, to be those who carry within us the new kingdom, who carry within us the plea, be reconciled to God. Empower us by your Spirit to be that to this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.